in John 16, you have really the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But those uh, verses that we just read didn't sound too comforting, did they? Christ is going to have to leave. He's already told that in 14. tells them in 15 a little bit how they are to relate to the world. And of course, He promised the Holy Spirit. And here's 16, and so He gets a little deeper on what's going to happen to them now. He's not only telling them what's going to happen to Him, but what's going to happen to them. And they will be killed. They'll be outcast from the synagogue. Sounds rather uplifting, doesn't it? And I've got more things for you, but you can't bear those now. It's like, what else do you have? (laughs) You see, is this what he's leaving them before he gets arrested? Well, they didn't really get it probably at that time, but later on they will. You know, they, they will get that. Especially when those things happen, they will remember, oh, he said this was going to happen. And so they will be ready for that. Well, you know, the 16, the verse 7 verses are really rather incredible. But when you get into verse 7, you know, when you see the fact that he says, okay, I, I tell you, really, here's the truth here. It's really good that I go. And I'm sure they don't get this. So when he goes, he's going to leave in each one of them the Holy Spirit. And because there's been a promise of the Holy Spirit. Of course, in Acts 2 is where you see that in its really uh, ultimate fulfillment. But that is quite a promise. Uh, It's to your advantage and a helper will come. I will send him to you. And he says also he is known as the Spirit of Truth. He is going to guide them into the truth and be able to uh, speak words of truth write words of truth inspired by him to write the New Testament, basically. And so he's acquainted his disciples here with what's going to happen, and he gives the reason why. He gives these bad uh, tidings to them. But uh, Jesus didn't say that to just give fear to them, did he? Uh he didn't want to perplex them. He wasn't trying to make them grieve and sorrow more, but he says it's an advantage. This is a good thing. Uh, there are weighty reasons why I should tell you these things here. Uh, when these things do come, you can be supported with this consideration that I've just given you. Before these things come to pass, I'm going to tell you. So uh, Christ is uh, talking about His departure and the usefulness of his departure to his disciples. If I not go away, he will not come. But if I depart, I will send him. Jesus, walking as man here on this earth, could only be one place one time. As the Holy Spirit comes, he will fill the disciples and the rest of the body of Christ and as it grows. And Christ and his message will go forth all over the world simultaneously. and So it multiplies in that sense. And the power of the Holy Spirit is there. So, you know, when you think of that, that is to the advantage. They don't get that, but He's telling them now, so later they will. And we know that um, in John 14, He's talked about the Holy Spirit to them. And this kind of... Uh, 
usage in this kind of language. In verse 16, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. Another is anathan. It means one like me, but different. (laughs) It's the best way I explain it. it. It's like Him, but yet it's different. Still not the same person. You know, you have the triune God. Jesus is the Son, and the Holy Spirit is another person, but they're still both God. But that the Helper, that He would be with you for how long? Forever. I go away now for a while. But the Holy Spirit's going to come, and He's going to be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because... He, Spirit of Truth, abides with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit will not only abide to to, to dwell in, He's going to be with you, He's going to be in you. And Christ couldn't do that at that time until the Holy Spirit comes and abides uh, with them and in them. So much more to their advantage. And uh, of course, Jesus is the one giving the Holy Spirit to them. From the Father, Son gives the Holy Spirit to them. Now that's a hard thing to really grasp. They have fallen in love with Christ in, in the sense that you know he, he is their Savior. He is their Lord. They've walked with Him and talked with Him and been with Him almost every moment of, of the day. And now he's going to leave. And he says, I've got something that's even more powerful. I have to go. So, um, he sends the Comforter. John 14, 16, and we read 17 there. Uh, he's a gift. The Savior instructs his disciples in there by, by different degrees as he starts in 14, goes in 15, uh, Look in verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of what I have said to you. So that's good to know. All those things that He's saying even that night (laughs) that they were probably going to forget, the Holy Spirit would bring that back. All the other things that he taught while he was here on earth, they were able to remember. And where they needed to, as they wrote it, to be word for word. So, that is that sense. All the same time, he's promising, here's why I have to leave. Uh, John 15, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you, that's John 15, 26, did I say that? When the Helper comes, when I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. And you will testify also, because you have been with Me from the beginning. So they're able to testify with power of Christ because of the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. And so therefore, that takes us right up to chapter 16, which we opened up with those first few uh, verses all the way down through uh, 15. Uh, so he, he, he says, Holy Spirit will abide with you. He'll abide forever. Uh, Jesus has been with them for a little while. He's leaving them. 
He had been the comforter. Would you say Jesus was a comforter? Yeah. He was a helper. It was just for a season, though. But here he says, I'm going to depart. Holy Spirit will be with you forever. One of these days, I'll come back and I'll be with you forever. But to right now, I'm going to give you another comforter. Um, pretty powerful promise, isn't it? Parakletos, paraclete, comforter, uh, advocate. That's the idea there. So that's one thing that he does to have communion with us, the Holy Spirit. Have you ever experienced his comfort? You know it. Power of the comforting Holy Spirit, and of course, you think of his fruit, the love, the joy, the peace. He gives us peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Holy Spirit abides in us. He gives us the fruit and all of those things. So, Holy Spirit is, um, I think, overemphasized in an unbiblical way by the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. Then you have other people, because of that, they shy away from the Holy Spirit, don't even talk about Him because it's so misunderstood anyway. And by the way, He's called it, but He's really a He because He is He. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's a person who happens to be Spirit who lives in us. This is how God lives in us, the Holy Spirit. So, we take a biblical approach of the Holy Spirit and we see He plays a key role. He's just as important as any other member of the Trinity. Matter of fact, in our daily walk here, He's the one who is dwelling in us. I think, think, you know, I used to get really mad at the the Old Testament that Jewish people were so dumb. And then I realized, yeah, I am too, but... I have the Holy Spirit. They didn't. Yeah, they. I mean, they were on their own. Yeah, we have the interpreters who are calling things back to us. How hard would it be to try to do a Christian thing without the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Wow. And and you're right. And in another sense, they can only do it because of God's Spirit, but He hadn't come in the fullest right. sense. It wasn't like... And, and the way that wow. we have Him now dwelling in us. But it was His power that they were able to believe and live the kind of life they were supposed to... That, 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 so when they turned away because God wasn't right in their face, <laughs> you know, I mean, they would just make me so mad. They were so dumb. <laughs> now we go... oh. How blessed we are. So as we go through this outline, even with the Holy what a blessing. Spirit, I struggle. So. Yeah, even at, with yeah. the great helper, we battle, we struggle, don't we? But thank the Lord He lives in us because He puts us back on the track. So that's one thing. He comforts the believer. Man, these are beautiful things as we look at these tonight. I just have about ten of them. That's the one I'm going to take the most time on that we did there. But the Spirit brings to mind the things about Christ. And we just kind of read that. 14.26, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father through the Son, He will testify about Me, and you will testify also. And of course, He's going to give 
them. Uh, he's going to. It's going to bring them to remembrance, as we had uh, read uh, earlier. And in fourteen twenty six, he says, "But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you." You remember when Jesus said some very difficult things to them and even things that were simple when they were walking with Him? And I'm sure they're going, I got it, I got it. They didn't have it. And then later on, after He is gone, Holy Spirit's living inside of them. All of a sudden, they're thinking about the things that He said. I have to go to the cross. I have to die. On the third day, I'll rise again. You know, they didn't understand that. They didn't even believe it. But then they start thinking about it and they go, oh, and then the Holy Spirit started bringing back the very words of Christ. They had to be like a tape recorder. You know, word for word. And then the Scriptures of the Old Testament. They started comparing that. The Holy Spirit is bearing on them. And then they write Scripture. John here, for instance, an apostle, writes this down. It was only because the Holy Spirit was working through him and to be able to do it word for word exactly the way that God wanted in the original language there. It's an incredible thing. So, the Holy Spirit brings to mind all the things spoken, spoken by Christ, and now they understand it. Boom! The light goes on. Before they didn't get it, Christ is with them. Now, the Holy Spirit is in them, and they're getting it. And then they spread it to the rest of the world. And by the way, not only does that happen to the apostles, who else does it happen to? Us. How many times have you really needed a word from God at a difficult time? You're talking to somebody, for instance. Maybe somebody who needs a right scripture at the time, or somebody who needs the good news, or whatever it is. And isn't it obvious sometimes those scriptures just pop up in your mind? And you go, where did that come from? How did I say that? How did I remember that? Yeah, how did I remember that? I think we can venture to say, I think God's Spirit there brought that up. It always helps, though, if we've been in Scripture. The more we've been it, the more that we can just draw from it. The more resources you can use. Right. Well, yeah. How many age did you start teaching? And he's got like a King James version. Bible class did that. Abigail Peggy was teaching her how to look up things, mm-hmm. and she gets confused because her version doesn't say it like King James says it. Oh, to the little guys, and why yeah. doesn't mine say that? So it's like okay, all of our different translations. Uh, the Holy Spirit, for those that are true believers, it doesn't matter the translation. We all sort of get yeah. figured out. Precious moments as King James. Was he? Because it's word for word there that, that she's hearing. And, I guess that's and she's not necessarily a King James only, but I guess she could say that. Right. Well, it's because it's important that they're using the King James Version. Well, I grew up on the King James. I didn't understand it, but I... Well, I tell you what, I've got a King James. It's my Catholic Bible. 
just got a few extra books that, you know, and I don't really want her using that. That's not very good shape. I use King James because I, just, I grew up on it too, and so I said I knew when I was young, and I don't want to them up. There. There's also a good one. Had you used King James Penny? Yeah. When you first started on I think most of us probably did. What did you use? I have a new King James Bible. Of course. Did you? Was that one of your first ones in? Like a new King James? We have King James back here. Yep. Get her a King James Bible. Learn the King's English. It's actually good. She's a good reader. So, you know, that, that's good. I think it's very, I think it's good to have a little bit of history and, and to be able to know, you know, what they used at that time. Sometimes those words are used very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. John sixteen fourteen. Here's what one of his biggest ministries is. He will glorify me. Jesus is speaking here. That's what the Holy Spirit really ultimately does. He glorifies Christ. For He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. He'll speak it to you. He will take of what Jesus speaks, the words of Christ. He is the Logos, isn't He? And He'll take it and teach it to you. Bring it to you where you can understand it. And He can take a King James and make you understand that. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Or what other translation, right? He will make, he can make you understand things that you cannot believe you would understand. Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ, doesn't he? That's what he's all about. Verse 15 All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit right there. How can people deny the Trinity? Trinity glasses, right? Seeing the Trinity in almost every verse or other verses, verses around it. Uh, another one is that the Spirit sheds God's love abroad in our hearts. How do we get the love of God? How do we get that transferred to us? Well, the Holy Spirit who lives in us brings it right into us, sheds it abroad. In our hearts. Romans 5 5. I like that. I like that verse. Let's go there. This is how you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. These are good, aren't they? This is really good. Isn't that good? Because you know, you always hear you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I used to say, How do you do that? God's word. <laughs> well, yeah. well, we know one thing is when He comforts us, we receive it, right? When He brings to mind to us, oh, you need to have this right here. How many times have you asked somebody, "Where's that one verse?" That you know, what what is uh, you know, and somebody helps you out, you know? Well, the Holy Spirit is there helping us a lot. Too, <laughs> and then we know that Christ is glorified to us by the Holy Spirit. He brings those things from Christ and glorifies them. Here, 
is our Romans 5, 5 now. This is the fourth thing that he does as he communes with us. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God there would be who? In the Trinity. God the Father. So, the love of God, and that's what we've been emphasizing, the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If that helps us kind of see the Trinity in some ways. Hope does not disappoint. By the way, let's back up now. Do you remember that series that we had before we went into this? It was called Failure and Disappointment. Do you remember that? Expectations and Disappointment. Right? That is the normal way of life. That's the normal Christian life. It's the normal life for anybody. They have expectations, but they don't always get what they expect. Matter of fact, quite frequently, they don't get what they would like to get. And it can be good things. It can be for the glory of God, but it doesn't come out that way. And But we have hope. And so we started this, uh, this series that we're in now is here's the antidote for reality. What is reality? Reality is expectations and failure and disappointment. The antidote is having fellowship with the triune God because He always will come through with what is supposed to come through with. So we back up in Romans 5 and we'll see how we got to verse verse 5. Romans 5, let's start it in verse 1. This is really, I think this is really cool. Therefore, having been justified by faith, okay, we're justified by faith, faith alone. We believe in Christ. We're justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction or our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God, in the hope of the glory of God, ultimately. Right? So there, there's one that we, we exult or we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Secondly, and not only this, not only in the future, but right now we exult in our tribulations. We go from glory to God that's in the future to the reality of our tribulations. Remember, expectations. Tribulations come along, we get disappointed. That's natural. But what do we do with that? Well, we go to the antidote, which was what we've been dealing with, the triune God. So here we go. We pick it up now. Talking about tribulations. Here's the reason for tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character. That's character that's tested. Shows what's really real and genuine. And proven character, hope. When you have this kind of hope, you go, boy, in this world there's not a lot of hope, is there? 
All the hope is in Christ, though. We can't put our hope in politics. We can't put our hope in education. And we can't put our hope in uh, our finances. There's no hope in any of that. But here he says, after all of this and this tribulation, actually it leads up to hope. And this hope does not disappoint. Expectations, disappointment, failures. And you look here and you go, oh, there's failures in my life. Yeah, but it's going to bring about perseverance and proven character. And when you have that, then you have really hope. You say, no matter what I'm going through, I'm still hoping. And this hope is the real hope we know. It's not just, oh, I hope so. This is a a true (laughs) hope, right? It doesn't disappoint. And here we go. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How much does God love us when we go through this life? And life is really mean sometimes. Sometimes it just is really difficult. And he says, love God's always there though. And you really have your... This is where you turn. Love of God has been poured out. Poured out within our hearts. How? How did it come from the Father? Can't see Him. Can't feel Him. Can't touch Him. Through the Holy Spirit. Well, we can't feel Him. Can't see Him. Can't touch Him. But He dwells in us. He lives in us. And He pours it out. And so the love of the Father has gotten to us by the Holy Spirit. And so when we think of His love, it sure beats all those tribulations that brings about perseverance and proven character because we have this kind of hope. The Holy Spirit tells us, doesn't He? Isn't that beautiful? But in that sense, though, you can, you can see Him and feel Him and hear Him. Yeah. Yes, it does say that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. I started, I just read the first chapter of the Andrew Murray book, name I can't remember, but it's about prayer. And the first chapter really impresses on the reader that to have prayer answered according to the will of God, the first thing is to realize that God is there and to seek his face so to see him to hear him and that's that's how your prayers are answered and that they're going to be according to his will because you are seeking him and when you were talking about tribulation uh, working patience building character and however all you said it, it just brought again to mind well can you imagine if you fix your heart and your mind and your gaze on Christ and Him filling you and being with you at all times, and then you watch this tribulation surrounding you, how wonderful that is to know that God is still right there with you, taking you through that, whether it be through it to the next phase on earth or through it to Christ Himself when we get home. He's right there with you all the time. So that's what this chapter in Murray's book is focusing on. So while you were talking about that, came to that's that's really the Christian life right there. It is, but it's hard to remember and easy to forget. That it's, it's not us trying to work <laughs> up some kind yeah. of godly love. It is God Himself that is poured into us. 
Right. That's that's really good because you know what? The whole thing is, and, and we do, like Edward spoke so much of seeing Christ. Um, and we, we feel that Christ is here. You know, I mean, the, that presence there, even though you can't, not a, visually with our eyes, but at the same time, seeing spiritually is even better, isn't it? Because we live by faith, not by sight. But we do see what God is doing. We look at Christ. And so guess what the next verse starts pointing us to? After we have God the Father, and He uses the Holy Spirit to shed His love all in us, that's why everything's okay. It's okay. And where does He point us to? Exactly with what you're talking about. Here's where you... Use your, your Trinity glasses again, right? Here's where you see the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. They're taking care of us. This is beautiful. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And for the next few verses now, guess who He turns the attention to? Jesus Christ. We have God the Father's love, the Holy Spirit there working in us, and now we focus where we need to. The Holy Spirit is going to glorify Christ, and we look at Him on the cross. That's exactly what you're talking about. It's following this same outline. And this is real. This is, this is how... And this is having communion right there. It's just thinking of what Christ has done, knowing that the love of God is here. Holy Spirit has worked that in us. We don't have to work anything up. I just don't feel like I'm spiritual. But you are spiritual. Just wake up to it and look. Look to Him, right? And so those next few verses, all that. And then He brings it back. Look in verse 11. Look what He does. And not only this, after he's talked about Christ, his death, and his life, life is last word in verse 10. Not only this, but we shall also exult in God. That's God the Father. To rejoice in God. He's talking about right now. He's already talked about hope of the glory of God. But here, now he speaks about exulting in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Exulting in God, through whom we have already received reconciliation. That is having a real relationship with God, isn't it? It's not really having to work anything up. It's looking at what He has done and He is doing and will do, you know, the, the glory of God that we're looking to. So, this is eternal life that you may know Him. Titus 3.6 speaks about that too. Uh, verse 5, He saved us, Christ did, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, so He saves us by His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. He regenerated us, He renewed us. Holy Spirit did that work. Whom He, what? Poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Holy Spirit, He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So, uh, there again, it's uh, the pouring out of... How about the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
That's found in Romans 8.16. Sometimes a soul, because it has somewhat of the flesh still remaining, (laughs) the principle, sometimes of that same kind of principle, goes back and we think of the old condition. And whether we be a a child of God here, uh, sometimes we forget. And so we see that it is the Spirit who comes and bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Aren't you glad of that guarantee? 8.16 The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, keep it going, keep it going. Heirs. And then, if we're, we're not only heirs, heirs also of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, so that we also be glorified with Him. Wow. The Holy Spirit is the one telling it. What if the Holy Spirit wasn't telling How Wouldn't we go around saying all the time, how, how do I really know I'm a Christian? I don't know if I'm a Christian. I believed Him yesterday. I don't know if I believe Him today. I don't know about that. You know, just you know, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit telling us, we would be at a loss, wouldn't we? How about the Holy Spirit seals us. That's the old Romans. No, 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 Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 13. Gotta like this. In him, Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, that is, what? The gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Um, we were sealed in Him, in Christ. And it was the Holy Spirit. There's the promise. What you have here is a... Um, Sealing is a stamping. It's a character of the seal on it there. It's the image of God unto us. We were sealed into Christ. The very character of God there. That's our sealing. That's what the Holy Spirit did. He sealed us. Uh, He communicates the very image of God in us. He created man in the image of God. But then the image of God then was lost. It was parted. There wasn't very much left that had the image of God on it. And through the righteousness of Christ and through the holiness of Christ under the soul, He seals us. The Holy Spirit there is was doing that. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make Him sad. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There he's talking about the day of redemption is whenever we are redeemed bodily. We're already redeemed spiritually. What's that? What grieves him, right? Oh, you mean like um, 
Verse 28, mm-hmm. He who steals must steal no longer, rather must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. I have something to share with one. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. All those things that would be sin, and, and we know it, and the Holy Spirit then is grieved, and you think, Wow, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Yeah, He's the one who seals us all the way to the time that we get glorified in our body. He sealed us into Christ. He says, oh, let all uh, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and thunder be away from you among people of malice. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgetting each other. Those are His, his sealing. Yeah, that's right. That, of course, that, that probably uh, go along with the fruit of the spirit. Here's there's the opposite versus what uh, the the fleshly man wants to do, right? And he says the Holy Spirit sealed you in Christ, and here's how you're to really act and and to live. Well, we're no longer so, stuck to do those things. Yeah, before we did, we have a nature that's what we knew to do. Now we have the choice because, to do this, don't we? Because we're now sealed with Him, we can walk away. And we don't have to. Yeah, that's that's what Ephesians four is all about. It's about living the Christian life. The first three chapters just fill you up with who you are and and what has happened to you. And then chapter four, now he says, "Here's what you were called to." And that's what four, five, and six deals with. And, and of course, that's why it brings in the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve Him. And he says, "What you were sealed." So, what what does a seal do? Well, it confirms it. Um, it makes good the promises, the grants, uh, gives a true witness. Um, judges receive this. Uh, there's been something that is sealed. Of course, the Romans used a special seal. Nobody opened that up, and unless you know, it had to be, you know, like a, a king, or it had to be a judge, or whatever it was. Those that was sealed. Nobody could do anything with it. It was to confirm in judgment. Um, and so the Spirit sealed us, and that satisfies our hearts, doesn't it? It, it assures us. Um, matter of fact, it, it keeps us safe when you would tie something up. The Jews used a sealing also uh, uh, to seal. And we have a, a day of redemption that is coming of the, of the body, of the purchased inheritance. And by the way, did you know that the Holy Ghost, you know, sometimes we, we, we hear that, there's our King James. I use that because we'd be saying Holy Spirit. Somebody reading the Holy Holy, Holy Ghost in the King James, right? He communicates to us His own likeness. Go to Second Corinthians three eighteen. Kind of interesting. You know, we're we're like God, but we're like Jesus Christ, but we're like the Holy Spirit, the very image of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think it's uh, verse 17, I guess, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord. Spirit. He's God. He's Lord. Um, We're to be like Him. He lives in us. We're made in His likeness. We look for His fruits. Pray for that. Um, go back to Ephesians. 
1.13. And it says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now we go to the next one. He's an earnest. Verse 14. Who is given as a pledge or earnest of our inheritance. Oh, remember when it said uh, that we have an inheritance, we are heirs, we have an inheritance? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who guarantees that the rest is to come. So what has happened is that there has been an earnest or a pledge put down, and the word is arobon, and it means something, it's a down payment. That's the best way to probably put that. When we make a down payment, it's part of the rest of the payment. It's it's part and parcel, part of the whole. Um, so it's not just something separate from it. But when we we put down a down payment, that's part of that payment, isn't it? And the, and we're promising that the rest is to come. Well, God is saying, uh, here's the Holy Spirit saying, you know, okay, hey, uh, it's here. Here, I'm living in you. This is part of the payment, or this is part of what your promise is. The rest is yet to come. That's that's pretty good, isn't it? The earnest, the payment, full inheritance coming, full, completely. We just have a little bit right now. It's pretty good, though. But we want more. We want it all, don't we? We want it all. We're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians. 122. Now He who established us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Holy Spirit is our pledge, is our down payment, is our earnest money. Our guarantee. That's exactly right. So he he guarantees. So we know that all the things that God promises, it's because He lives in us. We know that. Either we do or don't. Uh, A lot of Pentecostals say, well, you know what? There are Christians. There are a lot of Christians, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I kid you not. Well, then the song says, praying for the Holy Spirit to come down. Okay, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's already there. What do you mean? Yeah, he and he's he's always here. He's forever. Sealed in him for good. I mean, Romans eight just makes it clear. Either you have the Spirit of God or you don't. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not a Christian. <laughs> you know, so everybody has the Holy Spirit. But the, the charismatics say there's this special blessing, but a lot of them will go to the point of saying, no, if you haven't spoken in tongues, you do not have the Holy Spirit. You can be a believer though, but you just don't have the Holy Spirit. You need to seek for that speaking in tongues so you can have the Holy Spirit. How wrong doctrinally is that? Incredibly, terribly, badly thought of theology. So, Holy Spirit is an earnest to us. Holy Spirit anoints believers. First uh, John two twenty. That's interesting, and um, because 
Do you know what the word for anoint is there? Anybody know? I had to refresh myself just to make sure tonight. Go to the Greek here. I, I think yeah, I think it ought to be Christos there, but uh, I'll check. But in First John two twenty, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. And then down in verse twenty seven, as for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, that's the Holy Spirit, right? And it's true, and it's not a lie, and just as taught you, you abide in Him. Why do you know that this is the truth? Well, the Holy Spirit has anointed you. You know what the word for anoint is? It's really basically the same root as Christ. What is the word for anointing? It's like Christa. Christa. Christ. Christ. Christ means anointed. Or Messiah in the Old Testament is anointed one. In the New Testament, Messiah is what? Christ. And here we have a Holy Spirit anointing or the Holy Spirit christening, I guess you can say. (laughs) It it means to, what, uh, put oil on one, uh, you know, maybe to anoint it, maybe to splash it on them or pour it on them or whatever, anoint oil um, that was um, meant for a particular office, a particular ministry, that they were going to be set apart or uh, put in a special place in the ministry they're going to be doing, so they're, they're anointed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's interesting that that anointing is like um, is very close to where Christ is also in all these verses. You get the whole triune God in there too. There you have Christos and then the Holy Spirit with his anointing. And, and Yeah, the unction. That's anointing. Yeah. Right. Um, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That's a good thing, isn't it? What if He never told us whether it was sin or not, or you know, it came to bear upon us? Thankful that it does. It's good. It's just like having you know the gift of pain. If you didn't have pain, think about all the terrible things that could happen to you if you didn't if you run around touching things and. You'd be losing limbs. You have to have pain. Not fun to have it. Um, spirit convicts. He illumines, doesn't he? He to the apostles. He gave inspiration. He inspired them. He gave them revelation and inspiration. We don't have either one of those. We don't write scripture. We don't. We're not giving revelation from God. Direct revelation. We're not given direct inspiration. The Holy, the, the Word of God was inspired, but we are given illumination. Be in a dark room, turn on a light, you're illumined. Reading the Bible, come to a truth. Hopefully tonight you've been illumined. Some. Special truths. Mainly, you're just getting some of these refreshing back to you. Bad. The last one here. Charging a battery. <laughs> yeah, right. 
that's basically what this is about, isn't it? That's what it does. You go, oh, wow, I forgot about all these. There's a lot of things here to remember. You know why? Because it's easy to forget. 1 Corinthians 2.13. That's what humans do. They forget. Didn't Peter apologize for repeating himself? Yeah, he says it in 1 Peter. So I'm really sorry i got to tell you this. But i got to do this. Yeah. Yep, just to call you to remember. As a matter of fact, John MacArthur is doing a, very, a series just exactly on that. Have you heard yeah. that? Yeah. And it's basically, we're not learning new things, we're learning old things. And some of those we forgot. matter of fact, a lot of them. Or maybe we knew these, but we're going, I forgot where they were at. This is how. Well, and some of the us. stuff you might have heard it a long time ago, but it didn't make any sense in your life. It was too new. And it was now too new. It was too new. you've gone through some things. And, oh, oh now well, sure, I yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Right. The other side of that coin, which I assure you, of all experience, and I know I have, is somebody will say something is in the Bible, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean it. But it's in the Bible. I know I read it there. If it doesn't line up with everything else you know is in the Bible, probably not there. Many times. That was one I was like, that's in the Bible. No, it's not. It's in the Bible. <laughs> I think we all identify with you there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, one last one. First Corinthians two thirteen. I love this one. He enables us to receive spiritual things, whereas a non Christian cannot understand these things. 1 Corinthians 2.13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the, guess what? Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. All of a sudden, there's no way. Somebody can be the most intelligent person you've ever met, but if they don't know Christ, all they have is human wisdom. And the Word of God here is taught by the Spirit. That He's our resident teacher. Did you know that? He's really our teacher. Well, the Spirit the, is. The uh, author's talking about, you can't say you've read the whole Bible in great, great details. You know, you've read it, like you say, there's things that you slid on by and right. stuff like that. But when somebody sits or says something in the news, like, what 
doesn't seem to be in the character of what I know about the scriptures. Exactly. Except there to say it's like going, you know, it's like it doesn't seem to fit. And the other say, you know, sometimes. Right, and and you want to just check it out. Yeah, you just like, want to so, know where it's at, so I can look at it and see. Because I've part? done that before yeah. too, oh, yeah, where it was it was there. What they said was there. They just didn't Turned read everything out. else around it. Yeah, maybe a kind of out of context. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you just. That's pretty good. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It, it is there, but. Not that. What's before? What's after? Right? Yeah. yeah. Something on Facebook about a guy that you know people were taking things and passing it on and stuff without checking out where it was in scripture. Yeah. And actually, it was a quote of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's in there, but it's not one of those you want to hang out. How about this? Have you guys ever gotten this one? God helps those who help, who help themselves. themselves. I know it's in there somewhere, but I, I'm not so sure. But I know it's in the Bible. Where is that at? Those against grace, though. God helps those who are the weakest. You Exact opposite, isn't it? You can help yourself. You don't need God. <laughs> That's right. That's called self-righteousness. That's the problem with ourselves. That's probably the one most quoted. That's just people really believe that's in Scripture. I know that's in the Bible. Where? That's in there. I've read it. I've heard it. It's in the book of wisdom. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to God. Oh, It's another word in there too, isn't it? Love them. Well, let's let's close. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Had a really good time. Lord, we thank you for this evening. May we better be aware of the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. Uh, of course, we know about the relationship with Christ and, and You, Father, but the Holy Spirit, all that He works in us and does, and we, we thank You that He abides in us, for that is how we can live this Christian life all the way up to the point when Christ comes back for our ultimate redemption. Thank You for this evening, and uh, may everyone be blessed as we go to our regular work week. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I think next year, I don't know. Regular? <laughs> regular?